So our sermon today, we're going to be kind of concluding our time with John the Baptist as we continue our sermon series through the book of Luke. I can't believe how fast we're going, you know, we've been on this for only a few weeks and we're already in chapter 3. Crazy. Oh yeah, months, not weeks, my bad. (laughs) Be please rise out of honor of God's word. Luke 3, verses 15 through 22. Water and fire, Luke 3, verses 15 through 22. Now read in Jesus' name. As the people were in expectation and all were questioning in their hearts concerning John, whether he might be the Christ, John answered them all, saying, I baptize you with water, but he who is mightier than I is coming, the strap of whose sandal I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his barn, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. So with many other exhortations, he preached good news to the people. But Herod the Tetrarch, who had been reproved by him for Herodias, his brother's wife, for all the evil things that Herod had done, added this to them all, that he locked up John in prison. Now when all the people were baptized, and when Jesus also had been baptized and was praying, the heavens were opened. The Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my beloved Son. With you I am well pleased. Let's pray. Father, as we come now to study your word, to to try to apply these truths to our lives, Lord, we pray that you would grant us wisdom. Lord, that your Holy Spirit would come upon us. Lord, that that our lives might be changed. And indeed, Father, that we might become more like Christ. Father, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So, uh, a quick question as as we get started. How many of you would like to see significant change happen in America? Any of you? Some of you? I think that would probably be good. You know, the direction that we're going isn't encouraging. I'll use that phrase. Frustrating, scary, yeah. Um, So what can we do about it? Like what's our place? We pray. We preach. We live. What do those things mean? Like can they affect our world? Really, can those things have grand effects? Well, it's it's our place to prepare, just like John the Baptist. Like as John the Baptist was going out and he he was preaching and he was baptizing, he was exhorting, he was proclaiming the good news, he was preparing the way. That's that's our place. But you know, Holy Spirit, only God can send him. So as the people were watching John the Baptist, they were looking at him and they were saying, hey, is, is this the Christ? You know, is, is this guy who's baptizing with water, is this guy the Christ? And we do that sort of thing too, right? We look at the people in this world and say, this guy's going to save us. That person's going to save us. That person's going to bring change. They're the ones that are going to change America. I remember back when Billy Graham was out preaching and, you know, People hoped in Billy Graham. Now, don't get me wrong. Billy Graham was a great man. 
He did great things. But he's just a man, right? He's just a man. Any political leader nowadays, they're just people. Our expectations, our hopes, and our dreams, really, they shouldn't be on these people. They shouldn't be on, on pastors or on preachers or on politicians. There's a lot of peace there. Or businessmen there, we actually broke the pattern. Um, had to break the pattern. You can't have that. Only Lindy likes all of those alliterations. Um, we can't hope in these people. Elon Musk is going to save our nation or our world. Well, maybe. Depends on who he sends. No. Um, Mars. <laughs> Got a couple of options. Um, <laughs> our expectations cannot be for human beings. We shouldn't be looking at people thinking these people are going to save the world. Because they can't. We can't. No person has that capacity. No person is called to save the world. But each person is called to do what they can with what they have. John answered them all saying, I baptize you with water. But he who is mightier than I is coming. The strap of whose sandal I am not worthy to untie. Why did John baptize with water? You know, there's, there, this, is, this is still sacramental. Like, this isn't just... Okay, ah, baptism, good times. Should we get into it? We'll get into it a little bit. Um, not a, yeah, deep water, um, baptism. But, so as we look at baptism, is baptism, is there a symbolic thing going on here? Absolutely. They were being baptized into the kingdom. That was the concept that the Jews, the Jews themselves were to be baptized into the kingdom of God. They were, this was a baptism of repentance. This was a baptism leaving behind all the other things, baptizing them into the kingdom of God because the Jews had this concept, hey, we're children of Abraham, right? We were born into this. This is ours by right. And then John's coming and saying, you guys, you missed it. It's not because of genetics. It's not because of genetics. You have a calling. You have a calling to turn to the Lord. You have a calling to repent. And so there's this symbolism in this of being washed of the old and being brought into the new. There's the symbolism of death and of new life. And when I say symbolism, that's, there's symbolism there, but then there's, there's more. Because this was a transference of kingdoms too. And so John, he had access. We can, we can baptize. We can preach. We can proclaim. We can call. We can exhort. We can tell people you have to repent. We can teach. We can do these things. And so we do what we can with what we have, with what we have access to. You know, we have access to the sacraments. We have access to the Word of God. We can bring that into this world. And so, Stephen Covey, have you, any of you ever read Seven Habits of Highly Effective People? Any of you? A, a couple. Okay, good. Well, at least we have a few. Um, he talks about the circle of influence and the circle of, or the sphere of influence and the sphere of concern, right? And so, where do we spend most of our time if we're going to be ineffective? We spend most of our time thinking about those things which we're concerned about, but which we have no power over. We as Christians, we're called to focus our time on our sphere of influence. And that's the Word of God. That's the sacraments. 
we have influence over those things. We can use those things. We can bring those things into this world. And that's what John is doing. But you know, he doesn't, have, he doesn't have the ability to bring the Holy Spirit. John can't call the Holy Spirit down. Can you guys? I can't. I can't say, all right, God, it's time. Not even Elijah. In our scripture reading today, Elijah said, you ask a hard thing to Elisha. So he gave him a prophecy, but he didn't give him a promise. He says, if, if this happens, then you'll have what you ask. You'll have the double portion. And John understands that, and we need to understand that too. I baptize you with water, but he who is mightier than I is coming. The strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. And we all stand in that same position. We don't, we don't command God. This is God. You know, there's that, that old joke I've probably told you here before. What's the difference between Joe Faldet and God? God never thinks he's Joe Faldet. <laughs> you know, there's way too much truth in that. What's our position before God? Or do we think about God like John does? I'm not even worthy to untie the strap of his sandal. This is who Jesus is. This is the greatness of Christ. This is the greatness of God. I don't command God. I prepare the way for God. But I don't command God. I can't make him do what I want him to do. I can't, by saying the right words, or by doing the right things, or by being in the right place, I can't do that. We don't have that power to command God. We, can't, we don't have any leverage on God. We don't have leverage on God. He gives us promises. And we can live in accordance with those promises, but those aren't leverage. That's God. That's God promising. And so we trust in those promises, but we don't leverage God. We're not worthy before God. Really, this is our, this is our reality. We're not worthy for God, of God. But God says, nevertheless, I love you and I have called you. Because if you're a Christian, this is, I don't remember where I was reading this, we're talking about being a child of God, being adopted into the family of God. Oh, it was in the Paul Tripp book. Um, if, we're, if we're adopted into the family of God, what's our job? Well, same as God's. Just like, you know, years before, generations before, if your father was a carpenter, what would you do? Be a carpenter. If your father was a farmer, what would you do? Be a farmer. If your father was a smith, you'd probably be named Smith, and what would you do? You'd smith. Is that the way you say that? You would be a smith. <laughs> I, one of these days I'll learn to talk good. Um, why do I say that with a southern accent? Boy, that's insulting. Um, so if I'm a child of God, what's my calling? What's God's job? What does God do? He reveals himself to the world. Kevin? Oh, it, well, John baptizes Jesus. And we're... When he is... So John is Jesus' cousin. So they're related. Uh, second cousin. Because Mary and Elizabeth were cousins. And so um, they know each other. You know, and I'm, my, my guess would be that Elizabeth probably told John, you know, Mary... 
Yeah, there's, the baby in her is immaculately conceived. Because remember when Mary came to Elizabeth's house and she says, why is it that the mother of my Lord, speaking about Jesus being the, you know, the baby inside of her, being the Messiah. So I think John has a pretty good idea as to what's going on by this time. And then also, um, when John baptizes Jesus, the Holy Spirit descends on him. You know, and so that's a little bit after this, but nevertheless. And then also, um, in the book of John, we're told that John actually proclaims that Jesus is the Lamb of God who will take away the sins of the world. And so John knows what's going on. At exactly at what depth does John understand what's going on? That we don't know. But he's got an idea because we also know that when John was in jail and about to be beheaded by Herod because of Herod's, um, because of Herodias' daughter, uh, John was doubting. Because, you know, if this is the Messiah, why is life still hard? And so he doubts. And so even though he knows, he still doubts. And this is John. So there's knowledge here, but how deep that goes, we don't really know. Does that make sense? I hope that that's, that's about as... Yeah, there are, yeah, they are related. So. so this is... John is a lot like... John's position is a lot like our position. Now, we're not, we're not the forerunners. But we are forerunners. Because the gospel comes with us. And God leads in front of us, but then also the kingdom comes with us. If we have the kingdom of God dwelling in us, like Luther says in his explanation of the Lord's Prayer, you know, why do we pray, thy kingdom come? God's kingdom's going to come. God, God's one that makes sure of it. We pray that his kingdom would also come to us as well. You know, that it would indwell me and indwell where I'm dwelling. That God's kingdom would come to me come to us. And so then we, we lead that. We prepare the way. We do what we can with what we've been given. Trusting that God is the one who does it and not us. If revival comes to Hosanna, if revival comes to St. James, which one of us could say, I brought this down? We can't. God brought this down. God is working. Revival comes to America. Who could say, I brought this down? We don't have that power. We need to remember that. So then we look to Jesus. Jesus. He's the one that's got access. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. So it's, it's the Lord that has, that he's the one that sends us. We're told in the book of Hebrews that, that God distributes, I should have, do I have my Bible? Oh, I've got a Bible. I'm actually going to read it so I don't misquote it. Um, but we're told in the book of Hebrews that the gifts of God are given by God. Hebrews 2.4, While God also bore witness by signs and wonders. So what's God doing? God's bearing witness of the gospel. What are the purpose of the signs? To bear witness of the gospel. While God also bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. It's God who does these things. It's God who works. It's God who is gifted. It's God who moves. It's, it's God. 
If there's movement going on in your life, if the Holy Spirit is revealing your sins to you, if the Holy Spirit is revealing His promises to you, if that's going on, that's God. You are interacting with God. Think about that. That the Holy Spirit is dwelling inside of you and is opening your eyes to see His truth. That's God. That's not you. That's not you. I just finally figured this out. You know what I figured out? Nothing. You know what God revealed? Everything. That's the reality. This is God. This is God speaking to us. God's not dead. God's not far. God's not, you know, distant. God's here. God's here. God speaks. God moves. God works. You wake up in the morning, you've got a thought going through your head. I was, um, Emery Buller's been teaching me some, how to play guitar. And he's teaching me a song out of Joel, which is actually one of the things that Lindy read this morning, which was funny. Um, the synchrony is crazy. But talking about how the army of the Lord comes, you know, sound the trumpet in Zion. The army of the Lord's coming. It's like, okay, Lord, I don't know exactly what that means, but we sound the trumpet. Warn the people, be ready. Be ready. Does that mean it's going to come, the army of the Lord's going to come tomorrow? The army of the Lord and Joel, it's kind of scary. (laughs) He's coming. Are we ready? Because it's the Lord who sends him. The Lord fulfills his word. The Lord speaks. The Lord speaks in our hearts, speaks in our minds. This is the Lord. When the Lord comes, one of the things he brings is punishment. He'll bring the Holy Spirit and he'll bring fire. What is this fire? Fire, punishment. It's something to be terrified of. This is why we get right with God. This is why we don't hold on to our sin because you know where the judgment starts? Any of you know that verse? The judgment begins in the household of God. Judgment starts here. This is where God works first. This is where God brings blessing. This is where God brings punishment first. It's not out there, outside of the walls. It's here. This is why we get right with God. This is why we don't hold on to sin. You know what's the problem in this world? Sin. It's not Democrats or Republicans. It's sin. I don't care what political party you're in. It's not Norwegians and Swedes and Germans. It's sin. And sweets. <laughs> it's sin. <laughs> so what do we do? We repent. We cry out to God. We seek forgiveness. We accept the promises. We hold fast to the promises that God does forgive us in Jesus Christ. But yet we're called to repent. We're called to confess. We're called to put away our sin. Because when the fire comes, punishment comes, we don't want that in our lives. We don't want sin in our lives. Because God says sin will be known. It will come forth. It will be made known. What's spoken in secret will be shouted from the rooftops. I'm told that. If that scares you, you probably have something to repent of. But it's also boldness. Because when the tongues of fire came, what was the first thing that the apostles did? They proclaim the truth of God in tongues, through speech, but it's boldness. 
That fire comes upon us, but it also comes in us. When the Holy Spirit comes, he brings boldness. This is why we pray for our healthcare workers who are having opportunities. Praise God. Praise God that people realize that they need more. And you know what? It's not doctors that heal them. It's God. It's not nurses that grant them comfort. It's God. It's not politicians that protect us. It's God. It's God. And so then we can stand and we can be bold. We can proclaim these truths. We can live out these truths. We can rely on these promises of God. That it's God who brings peace that passes all understanding. It's God. It's not money. It's not loans. It's not lack of loans. It's not having debt or not having debt. It's none of these things. It's not the economy. It's God. So who do we look to? Who do we hope in? Can we be bold in God? Can we? Can we trust him? Can we rely on him? Can we live it out? If we lived out the truths of Christianity, would we fall flat on our face? Would we be ashamed of the gospel if we actually stood firm on it? It's some rotten board. Some bad joist. Or is it something that's solid? Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God for salvation. For everyone who believes, for the Jew first, even for the Greek. Think about that. If it can hit Greeks, you might even be able to manage Swedes. But you know when it comes, when righteousness comes, when we live in righteousness, you know what happens? People don't like it. People don't like righteousness. The world doesn't like righteousness. If I'm standing on the gospel, if I'm living in God's ways, if I'm living like God would actually have me live, like God commands me to live, like God advises me to live, however you want to look at that. If I'm living in that way, you know what the world's going to say? We don't want you. We don't want you. We don't like you. You're the one that's wrong. How dare you live in righteousness? How dare you make me look bad? You know, Herod at this time, what was he doing? He had forced, <laughs> he had forced a divorce between his brother Philip and Herodias, his brother Philip's wife. And he took her then to be his wife. The good, righteous family there. So what does John do? He says, hey, that's not right. And so Herod, in his wisdom, arrests John. Because you know what the best thing to do when someone's speaking the truth is to silence them. Hmm. We'll leave that one right there. It sounds way too familiar. But we think about this. Does the world like righteousness? Does the world like holiness? Does the world like truth? No. They say they want it, but they don't. Why? Jesus or John says in the book of in the Gospel of John that they love the darkness. They like their sin. They enjoy their sin. They don't want righteousness. And so if we live in righteousness, what should we expect? The world's just going to love us, right? Totally. No. 
world's not. Think about that. If you live for God, the world's not going to love you. That's just life. Because they like their sin. But you know who will love you? You know what you will see? Now when all the people were baptized, and when Jesus also had been baptized and was praying, the heavens were opened. And the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my beloved Son. With you I am well pleased. Think about the Beatitudes. Why are the pure in heart blessed? They shall see God. What does it mean to live in righteousness? It means to live pure in heart. To seek God. To live for God. It was... uh, well, yeah, I talked about this, well, maybe it's been a couple of weeks now. All these sermons kind of roll together in my own brain. Um, to be pure in heart is to seek one thing. It was Soren Kierkegaard that talked about that. The pure in heart will see God. What are the pure in heart, though? Those who seek God. Seek God above everything else. If we seek God, if we live in righteousness, if we live according to His way because we trust in Him, because He is God, how many of you know better than God? Any of you here? So if you don't know better than God, wouldn't it be wise to follow His ways instead of follow the ways of the world? So we seek God. If we live in righteousness, God promises we'll see God. We might not see Him face to face, but then we'll actually see God in this world. We'll see how God works. We'll see how God moves. When we get to glory, we'll see God face to face. It doesn't mean that Christ is going to reveal Himself to us like He did to Paul or you know, the saints of old. You never know. He is God. We'll see. Why do you live in righteousness? Because that's what God wants. That's what God says. And a voice came from heaven. You are my beloved son. With you I am well pleased. As we trust Christ, as we trust God, what position are we given? Followers of Christ are also then given the position of Christ. Sonship. Adopted. Granted. But this is our place now. I'm a son of God. Think about that. Because of what Jesus has done for us, we can say, I am a son of God. And don't get into all this modern woohoo talking about, well, I'm a daughter of God. It's like, no, you miss it. Because the Son of God has an inheritance. Back in the ancient days, the daughters didn't get an inheritance. We have an inheritance with God. Nowadays, daughters get an inheritance. That's great. But you know, when we say I'm a son of God, that means that I have an inheritance. I have a home in glory. Christ is preparing a place for me. A home for me. Now, unlike the homes in this world, Doesn't fall apart. You guys have no idea how much time I've spent these, since Kirsten's been gone fixing my house. <laughs> you know how annoying that is? This and that and all these little leaks and stuff. How annoying. You know, I would bet that my house in glory, I'm not going to be fighting with scale. <laughs> I hope I got soft water in heaven. <laughs> There's our home. There's our inheritance. 
because of what Christ has done for us. So why do we seek God? Why do we walk in these things? So that glory can come here. So that we can all the more have a foretaste of heaven. Knowing that in this world we will face trials. But you know what? Don't worry. Jesus has overcome the world. So live out the gospel. That the gospel might come into this world. That the kingdom of God might come into this world. Through us. Not that we have power to control it. But we go before it. Proclaiming the way. Preparing the way. Trusting that God will bring his spirit in due time. When we live in righteousness, we live in righteousness for God. Not because other people will like it. Because I'm sorry. They won't. But Jesus has overcome the world. So we don't have to worry about that. We leave them in his hands. He'll take care of them. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you. We thank you for speaking. We thank you for working. We thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you for the sacraments. We thank you that we can bring these things into this world. We thank you that we can bring your love into this world. We think about that this Valentine's Day. Love. Lord, may we love this world as you love the world. Father, may your glory come even through us. But Father, above all, may your glory come unto us that we might know you in order that we might show you properly. Let us know you more today, Father, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.